0: This week, we're going to talk about ECW, Extreme Championship Wrestling. A hardcore promotion out of Philadelphia, ECW pioneered a lot of the grit and raunch that made Stone Cold Steve Austin a millionaire later on in the 1990s. ECW has been described as the nirvana of pro wrestling, this aggressively unpolished thing that came along and changed the game forever. That much is true, but nirvana still holds up, while ECW, despite a lot of nostalgia, maybe doesn't but that's not to say that none of it holds up. We're going to see how good ECW could be by revisiting our old friend Rob Van Dam. Years before he battled John Cena in WWE, Rob was the heart, soul, and biggest star of ECW. On his home turf and at the height of his powers, the peerlessly flashy RVD defends his ECW world television title against a no-nonsense rival who just might have his number. This week on I Hate Wrestling, it's Rob Van Dam vs. Jerry Lynn. The effin' show. like it sounds good. I feel like it looks like it sounds good. I guess a nice fat waves there. Yeah. Fat waves, P H A T waves. Yeah.
1: P H A T the proper way to spell it.
0: Yeah. I would I would say, you know, sometimes thick is thicker when there's two Cs. Definitely. Two I C's. would say there's two Ts in this in this P H A T T. Whoa. I think uh, we I think you're onto something. We're on to something we've discovered. Listen. Uh Nobel Prize committee, you know where I'm at because I keep sending you letters. Uh, and I think this time, this bit isn't landing. No, <laughs> it's not. I rode this. I rode this wave as far as I could ride it, and I just crashed yeah. directly into the into the sand. And you know what? That's what surfing is. That's what surfing is. Yeah. And yeah.
1: you know, sometimes you eat the bar, and sometimes the bar eats you.
0: <laughs> of sand. Of sand. Yeah. Sure. Well, <laughs> welcome to the show. Shall I? Uh, shall I address you as Hambone? Yes, you can. Hambone, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. Of course, of course. We met, what was it, two months ago now? Three months ago? A few months ago. At a game night in Jersey City. Uh, you were running a uh, D&D campaign? Oh, yeah, I do. I, I was cleaning up at a game of Jeopardy. No, not Jeopardy. I was cleaning up at a game of Trivial Pursuit. Yeah, I saw that. I, I was, I'd was. pop over to the bar to grab a drink, and I would just see a lot of
1: frustrated faces <laughs> around you, and you just hold in court like, yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it, is, uh, it is my favorite game, and it is the least favorite game of everyone I play <laughs> Trivial Pursuit with. Yeah. Because my brain is a steel trap for that. I can't remember the birthday of anyone that I care about.
1: Well that's what Facebook's for.
0: Yeah, sure. They just remind you <laughs> Hey, listen, I don't have any apps reminding me about the Treaty of Versailles. No, certainly not. So I, I gotta I gotta remember the principal parties involved. Absolutely. You got Georges Clemenceau, you got this is not gonna land either. Anyway, yeah, any I'm, Clemenceau I'm, heads I'm out rock there. Out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're parking up the rock tree, man.
0: Any Georges Clemenceau heads out there listening to the show this evening? Uh, maybe. It could be.
1: Wrestling fans come in all shapes and sizes. That's true. And different varying degrees of successful college educations.
0: That's right. Well, I can tell you, as somebody who, who has a degree in history and sells uh, doors and windows for a living. Well, oh. I can I can tell you, successful is relative. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Whatever gets you through the night. Yeah. So uh, we are both wrestling fans I'm going to assume lifelong wrestling fans it's yes. not the kind of thing that sneaks up on you at 30
1: no it's not I will tell you for me I loved it as a kid but I don't think I really understood it as a kid you know Hulkamane was running wild sure and you just saw tassels and bright colors people talking like this oh yeah oh yeah freak out freak out say everything twice twice say everything twice for emphasis emphasis yeah, yeah. and you I don't really know much other than that like I you know you saw Hulk lift up Andre and that was it mm-hmm. Attitude era, started watching ECW a little bit on the fringe, but not enough that it really sunk in for me like it did for everyone else I knew.
0: You had to be, for ECW at least, and we're going to talk about this at length, I think you had to be birthed in it. You had to develop in that sort of ether Right. For you to truly appreciate it. I mean,
1: I was trying to play in bands. I was trying to be doing a lot of other things. However, Monday Night Wars was going on. So you sure. had your nitro, you had your raw and we kinda the- got wrapped up in that on the surface level and stuff.
0: Were you were you WWE or were you WCW back in the day? I was WCW. Yeah, me too.
1: It's funny because when I actually started to really understand wrestling, all the guys that I love from the WWF were now in WCW. So I started watching that and then slowly migrating back over with Austin, with The Rock, right. with Mick Foley. And at the same time, you know, people would show me some ECW stuff, but I just didn't get it because it was so like shittily put together. And <laughs> it was like a tape of a tape. Of a tape. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And so it just, it never looked good. It never sounded good. It was always kind of coming in and out. It was no network back then. Sure. And there was no YouTube either. So it was just kind of what you had.
0: It was literally a network of tape traders. It was very mystery science theater, keep circulating the tapes. Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And then I fell off for a while after mm-hmm. the Attitude Era, and I kind of got back into it in 2012 because I was traveling a lot. Mm-hmm. As I'm a sales per- salesman as well, mm-hmm. I was traveling a lot, and I was really trying to not go to the bars on Monday night. <laughs> so I started watching Raw, and I fell back in love with wrestling.
0: So you were uh, so you you came back in right around the uh, the CM Punk. I came in right after the Summer of Punk. Right when CM Punk was was starting his big run, yeah. Then and the Shield was was was, was fresh just on the scene in CM their infancy, head. yeah. Okay, so that was a pretty hot time.
1: Oh, it was, and I've been stuck in it ever since. And then from there, I rediscovered a lot of stuff. I fell in love with indie wrestling. I mm-hmm. go to, you know, a lot of different events now. I flew out to All In in Chicago uh, last summer, which was awesome.
0: What did you do for uh, for Mania Weekend? I know we were both, uh, we didn't, I don't think we intersected at all. Well, we,
1: uh, we were running wild on Mania Weekend, brother. I... <laughs> started out at the Slumber Party
0: Massacre from AIW. I almost went to that. Oh, it I was almost awesome. went to that. But I, I couldn't justify it because I had G1 Supercard, yeah. and I had TakeOver, and I had Mania. But yeah, so that I did that. I, did, uh, I went to WrestleCon, mm-hmm. and I met the Four Horsemen. Mm-hmm. I touched Joey Ryan's dick. That's cool.
1: Yeah, I paid thirty bucks for it. Did, totally worth is it. Is your hand okay? Oh, it's it's fine. Well, it was it was a, a loving touch. I w- I didn't go in there hot, like you know. It wasn't I, like I asked, and it's it fine. It, it wasn't like a Thanos post snap. No, kind of thing? no, I was worried about it. People were like, well, what happens if it grabs you and it suplexes you? And I was like, then I'm taking the bump. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, you know, I got to protect the business, brother. Got to protect
1: the business, brother. Uh, I met a bunch of other people. I wanted to meet. I went to like. Five shows that day, so I did the penis party, Joey Ryan's penis party at night. Mm. I did Rev Pro UK. I did a U.S. versus the world. I mean, I just pretty much stayed in the walking fart cloud that was WrestleCon <laughs> for almost like thirteen hours. Uh, I got I got offered a ticket to the SuperCard, but I, I was just so burnt out. Yeah. I got offered a ticket to Spring Break 2 at the very last second, but I was I was already done because I wanted to save up my strength for Mania because uh-huh. that was going to be a glut.
0: Yes, it's that's a good word for it. We're getting we're getting into a, into a whole other thing now. Uh, where were we when we were relatively on we're topic? We're talking
1: about Jerry Lynn versus Rob Van Dam.
0: Right. So we touched on ECW a little bit. Right. Now you 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 said that you were vaguely aware of ECW while it was going on. Yes. You were on the uh, you weren't you were on the fringe. Right, you weren't you weren't fully enmeshed. Yeah, in the ECW experience.
1: Well, I knew who the top guys were. Sure. Like I got a, like one of my favorite wrestlers. <laughs> you couldn't
0: build, You couldn't put, pick Danny Doring out of a lineup. Yeah. yeah. No.
1: Uh, one of my favorite wrestlers was like uh, Tommy Dreamer. Still uh-huh. love Tommy Dreamer. You know, I enjoyed... Tommy. Tommy. Well, uh, did enjoy. I loved Rob Van Dam once. I kind of caught on with him and Fonzie. I thought that was cool. Yep. Uh, the Dud, like the nineteen Dudleys that were happening. <laughs> yes. Uh,
0: the Dudleys that have been lost to time. Yeah.
1: The Dudleys have been fully lost to time. But that was about it. Like, I couldn't pick anyone else out of a lineup, really. Sandman, because obviously he drinks beer and he right. comes out to enter Sandman. Still one of the greatest yep. entrances of all time.
0: Raven, because he was in WCW.
1: Raven, because he was in WCW. And also he was, like, the weird dark comic book guy. And I was kind of really into that, because it was, like, the 90s, early 2000s. And, uh, and Sabu. I mm-hmm. knew who Sabu was. Mm-hmm. But that was, that was really it.
0: So... The thing about the thing about ECW is that it enjoys even today. And and let me just say, I was in much the same uh, much the same boat as you. You know, I'm a few years younger than you, so I uh, my parents probably would have looked askance at me bringing home uh, ECW merchandise or ECW tapes. But I was aware of I was aware of the goings on. I knew who the you know I knew I, I played the ECW video game a little bit. I had to. I had this book that was called like Hardcore Wrestling or something like that. Uh, Hardcore Wrestling Cheats or something like that. And it had It was, was like a, a Blade? Yes. <laughs> Wrestling's greatest tricks revealed. Stunt granny. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it it was like this compendium of cheats and movesets for ECW Hardcore Revolution, right. WWF Warzone. And, God, WCW Mayhem? Yeah. I think. None of the good ones. No, of course. (laughs) But what was a revelation to me was that this book also had a little bit of a career retrospective for these guys. And it had their real names.
1: I love books like that.
0: Which was, and it was a combination of that with like a strategy guide. It was a super weird publication. But the fact that it was giving me kind of my first peek behind the curtain. Yeah. And it was like, oh, this guy, he's been pro for this long. He was trained by this person. His real name is this. Like, that was crazy to me. And that probably set me on the course I am today as far as showing me, you know, what was going on behind the scenes. But that's where I knew most of the ECW guys from was this book.
1: Right. Well, I'll tell you that ECW, when my friends were showing me this tape, I still didn't know that wrestling was fake. I'm sorry. I just still don't know that wrestling was predetermined. That was like probably the dirtiest F-word I'm gonna use in this podcast.
0: Finley was about to come in here and break your fucking leg. (laughs) leg. Uh, But
1: I didn't know wrestling was predetermined. And my friends are showing me like my friends like, oh yeah, you know, wrestling's fake. And I'm like, no, it's not. I was like, these guys are like really doing whatever. And then he shows me like the 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 (laughs) grainy ECW tape. I I will tell you the quality of this tape was like your first porno tape that you found that got like rained on because someone
0: left it in the garbage, and then this ECW tape. Same, same. ECW looked like a snuff film. It did look like a snuff film. It looked like a thing you weren't supposed to see. It looked like a thing that wasn't supposed to be recorded. Yeah.
1: And I'm like, well, but you're showing me this. How how do you say the wrestling's fake? He got dropped onto a, a fucking. Oh the, th- all the thumbtacks! He's bleeding. He got hit in the head hard with a chair. He beat him with a stick. He fell off a fucking ladder. I was like, "How are you saying this is fake?" Like, no, no, it's predetermined. Like they 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 figure out what they're gonna do before they go out there. And I'm like, "So wait a second. <laughs> Hold the phone. You're telling me that it's predetermined, and this guy was like fully okay with getting thrown off a ladder through a burning table into a bed of thumbtacks? Yeah, that, that they worked it out. That they're okay with that. Yeah. I was like." But the other guy didn't get touched. <laughs> What's wrong with these people? Like, but that's that's when I found out that wrestling was, uh, you know,
0: yeah, a so, work. So that's that's a good point about ECW. It is another level of violence yeah. removed from what you're seeing on the USA Network. That is something to discuss. I mean, hardcore wrestling has its. Proponents, it's not necessarily my thing. Now, I don't get me wrong, I love a street fight. Yeah, love a street fight, but I think some of the impact of that kind of violence is lost when every match on the card has that. I'd agree with that. I think part of it is in 90% of pro wrestling matches, a chair to the head can pin somebody. But in ECW, the worst guy on the show can get hit with 20 chairs and kick out at two.
1: Well, it's like the super kick. Yeah. Shawn Michaels puts you down with it. Yeah. James Storm puts you to sleep with it. But everyone else, it's just kind of a, it's like a handshake.
0: Right. So everybody else in, so everybody in ECW didn't know how to hit a chair shot right. And every other pro wrestler in the world did. Yeah.
1: Uh, it's it's definitely tough. I, I agree in a lot of ways because recently, so I did the AIW Slumber Party Massacre. That we talked about at the top of the hour, and it kind of got me over. Like I I really love and appreciate, and I'm a fan of what GCW does as a company and how they promote their stuff, how they really kind of take that kind of outlaw spirit of professional wrestling and really bring the people in. I mean, that's, that's to me is like another thing. Like, you know, we used to go to punk rock shows, used to play shows and everything. And this is that kind of like, you know, outlaw spirit that I think is missing from a lot of things. And the GCW folks do a great job with it. I got, you know, a little squeamish and a little nervous about going to some of these shows because Although I do appreciate the ECW level of violence, there is that next level of violence. Right.
0: The deathmatch.
1: The deathmatch level of violence, which I'm starting to become a little more comfortable with, but I won't sit near the front. I will sit near the <laughs> back and go, oh my God. Ah! And <laughs> I'll make little screaming sounds because to me, that's like, that is like way above my pay grade. Yeah.
0: You don't want to be in the splash zone. No, God. Like David Arquette. Nearly died yeah. from being in a death match. Yeah, wow. And Nick Gage was like, "It was a death match.
1: Yeah, like, yeah. He, he didn't sign up for the pillow fight. And put your bra in the freezer at the sleepover. It's a fucking death match." Yeah, and with the god of ultraviolence, Nick Gage.
0: And this is the kind of thing where, like, you know, Terry Funk and Mick Foley go to Japan and light light each other on fire. Yeah. Inoki had that one match against, I think, Masa Saito where they wrestled on the abandoned island with landmines on it.
1: Yeah, that's that's just that's just yeah, it's that's some that's some next level stuff. I mean, I, I knew a bartender girl who was working at the White Eagle Hall where they were doing yeah. all the, the collective shows uh, with GCW, AIW, a bunch of other federations. And she was like you love wrestling. I was like, I do. And she's like, Well, I'm in the upstairs bar. She's like, There's not really a lot going on because everyone's down on the floor. She's like, But man, she's like, I was working on the downstairs bar yesterday and we kept ducking because like pieces of light tube were like, flying <laughs> past us. And like pieces of light tube were flying past us and the venue was like, Yo, no one could jump off the balcony and everyone's bummed. And I was like, Yeah, I, I would probably be just drinking like bottles of beer that day because I would not trust anything in the ice bins. That'll you know, all the fucking light tubes flying. And she's like, It's really bloody. And then she like sent me a, like a picture, like someone like left it. You know, a tip on the bar. It was a dollar bill covered in blood. (laughs) She's just like, I don't know what to do with this. I was like, burn it.
0: (laughs) So I, I I guess what I I guess my position is, I'm okay with an elevated level of violence. Yeah. But that is a condiment. That's not a meal. Yeah.
1: A hundred percent.
0: Right. Well put. So that's why ECW falls a little flat for me. Yeah. Because. And uh, this is not necessarily their fault because in the early days, ECW really was kind of a buffet where you had an Eddie Guerrero and a Dean Malenko, and a, on your on your roster and a Rey Mysterio and a psychosis on your roster, and also your Tommy Dreamers and your Ravens and your your Sandmen. Yeah, right. So it was kind of a, a three ring circus, right? Do you want technical wrestling? We've got that. Do you want some crazy ass Lucha Libre? We've got that too. Do you want hardcore ultra violence? We've got that too. And what happened was the companies with deep pockets realized that they couldn't advertise, at least not yet, the real kind of ultraviolence that ECW had, but they could use the luchadors and the technical wrestlers, so all those guys got snapped up. Yeah. And ECW got left with, essentially, they, they had to make the hardcore stuff their bread and butter because... Everybody who got over who wasn't doing exclusively that got signed away.
1: Yeah. They, and got, they got all the flippy guys. That the guys with all the high pain threshold are left in the locker room.
0: Yeah, and even a lot of the stuff that did get over, like Steve Austin is in a lot of ways uh, watered down Sandman. A lot of the stuff that Sandman was doing, especially the beer, yep. that's a, that's something that Steve Austin borrowed. I don't know if Steve Austin specifically infringed on that gimmick on purpose, or if it was sort of a case of parallel evolution. Steve Austin was in ECW with Sandman for a hot minute, so he knew what was up with Sandman, but Steve Austin kind of was a more marketable version of Sandman. 100%. And ECW's kind of left with the Misfits. That's the Isle of Misfit Toys, right? These are the guys that nobody else wants. So Paul Heyman, who's the promoter of ECW, is left to make silk purses out of Sal's ears with this this roster. Yep. And at the time, a lot of people were super into it and were totally on board with what Heyman was doing. And they always call him a cult leader right the david koresh of professional wrestling
1: i've heard that many times
0: the whole roster is buying into this the fans are buying into it and it's this whole feedback loop where nobody on the outside understands what we have this is a special this is a special promotion we're special fans these are special performers special 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 and because of this it becomes this very intense intense fandom and intense enthusiasm and it burns so bright and then burns out. Yeah. And ECW burns so bright as this alternative to mainstream wrestling for a couple of years and ultimately is bought by WWE. And it's still remembered as this incredible trend setting amazing thing. But in retrospect a lot of it wasn't great.
1: And that's... it was the moment. Yeah. And that's how I feel about the attitude era. Absolutely, general. it's kind of like you're like, oh my god! Everyone's like, oh yeah, oh, the wrestling now, man. I wish we could bring back the attitude. Era. Oh, it's, it's it's such PG bullshit now. Bring back the attitude, era. but then you go back on the network and you're watching some stuff. You're like, oh god, I, I feel like I feel douchey just watching this. This is like this is fucking terrible. And like all like who test? What all these matches <laughs> with test? Like
0: you test were, the Baron Corbin of 1997. Oh my god! High five me yeah that is it
1: that exactly you know and that's the thing like uh, it's there's a time and a place for everything you know people like who talk about like the music scene in the 70s and the hardcore scene in the 80s at like cbgbs where if you were there for it you were there for it but you'll never you're not going to get that feeling right from something that's happening now or like a revival of that because unless you were there in the first time I have friends who used to go to the ECW arena all the time. They told me, like, you know, they, they feel a very specific way about ECW because they were there. And when you're there, you're soaked in beer. There's chairs flying over your head. Like, right. people are, like, screaming and cursing at you. You live in it, man. And that, that becomes, like, imprinted in your soul and your spirit. But, like, watching it sometimes on TV, especially now going back watching some stuff, it's like, eh,
0: it's... Uh, and I, I get that <coughs> feeling. I understand what that feeling yeah. is because that's, that's what NXT is for me. I love NXT because NXT, when I I started really thinking about wrestling more deeply and writing about wrestling and yeah. analyzing wrestling, right around 2014, when NXT was really starting to kick up, right. that's when I started getting I got my first articles about wrestling published back then. And what drove that was this simplified, but really beautiful and evocative storytelling that they were doing at NXT. It was pared down, but it was timeless. And it really hooked me. So for me, NXT and the sort of ethos of NXT—that's the feeling that I get. I was at the first takeover. I saw, I saw, oh, I awesome. saw. Or the, sorry, the first takeover Brooklyn. Yeah. The, where I, I saw Sasha versus Bailey live. I cried. That was a moment for me. Oh, of course. Everybody in the building was crying, and it, that was an incredible moment. And I was a part of that. So I get what that can do for you. I get how much it can tint your glasses rose. But maybe this is me just sort of making myself an exception. But I don't know if in 10 years, if I go back to NXT, will I be disappointed in it? You know? Or will people who in 10 years watch the NXT that I watched just not get it the way that I don't get ECW?
1: I don't think you're going to be disappointed in it, and here's why. Because that's a moment in time for you. That's something special. Like you're gonna go back and you're gonna watch that uh, and you're gonna have that same feeling. The way that people always talk about Macho Man and Ricky the Dragon, Steamboat, WrestleMania three. Yes.
0: Which is a match that I love, but I will, I won't have the experience of seeing you want it the first the time.
1: You can, you know it, you know it, you appreciate it as good. But enough people are talking about that match because enough people saw that match or like feeling like you did when you were caught up in the emotion of that match. So that Bailey Sasha Banks match is gonna be timeless for you.
0: It speaks to the to the powerful effect that developing as a fan inside the amniotic fluid of the moment right. can have on you. And how much that can contribute to how well something is remembered. And I've gone back now and watched some ECW, and I don't think a lot of it holds up. Yeah. I think a lot of it is <laughs> It kind of feels like when people eat food that is super spicy and it's so spicy that you can't taste the food. Yeah. This weird thing, well, oh, I have the the abusive hot sauce. Oh, well, I have the nuclear hot sauce. Yeah. And it's like, okay, but can no, you taste, no, can no you no taste no, the Ryan. chicken? Yeah. No one no, no, ever has
1: fun at a dick measuring contest. You know what I mean? Right. Yes.
0: <laughs>
1: Except <laughs> Joey Ryan. Except Joey Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> Except Joey
0: Ryan. <laughs> but... Yeah, I think very few things from the original ECW hold up. Yeah. And I think Rob Van Dam does hold up. I think Rob Van Dam holds up. I think he he went on to... He's undeniably the most successful ECW act outside of ECW, I think.
1: I'd say it's a foot race between him and the Dudley boys.
0: You're right. Him and the Dudleys. Yeah. Both of them had this marketable kind of edge to them. Yeah. Where Sandman is never going to be on a cup at Seven Eleven. No. You're not going to see Sandman on the Today Show, you know, talking
1: about, like, the be a star, like, <laughs>
0: anti-bullying shit. Right. They're, they can be cult figures, but they can't be superstars. Yeah, they're not crossing over. Right. And Rob Van Dam had that, had that ability. And I think you're right, the Dudley boys, too. And, uh... Jerry Lynn's a great performer. I don't think he had what Rob Van Dam had, but they do have this fantastic rapport with each other. Uh, what do you remember about the feud between Rob Van Dam and Jerry Lynn? Not much. I remember more Rob
1: Van Dam versus Sabu. And that's the thing. Like Jerry Lynn is a guy who I've discovered later on. And you realize like what a great technician he was. And Like, what a great storyteller he was in the ring. But he never had that thing where he's not flash and bang. He's not, you know, he's not Austin. He's not. He's like a cruiserweight Arn Anderson. He's like, wow, you are just bringing it tonight, man. He's (laughs) like a cruiserweight Arn Anderson. Yeah. And the, the kind of guy like Arn Anderson where, you know, everyone's like looking at flair. Right. You know, but. As I get older, I appreciate Arn so much more. He's holding everything together. Because he's the glue. Yeah. He's, he's, he's the foundation that the house is built upon. And it's the same thing with Jerry Lynn. Jerry Lynn also today just was announced that he signed on to AEW as like a coach or something. But it was great. Like, you know, he's a guy who can still go.
0: Yeah. And that's a guy who's been successful in <clears throat> essentially every place except WWE. Uh, Jerry Lynn actually before he even went to ECW he was Mr. JL in WCW yeah the, as like a weird white guy luchador El Generico gimmick
1: yeah Generico gimmick certainly
0: <laughs> he has a if if you ever get a chance one of the early episodes of Nitro has a bizarre fucking match between Mr. JL and Sabu where one of them is wearing a mask that they're not used to wrestling in and can't really <laughs> see in and the other one is Sabu so <laughs> <laughs> You can expect a lot of enziguris to the area six inches over somebody's head. Yeah. Sabu does a sunset flip powerbomb off the apron and winds up under the ring. That tracks. <laughs> he like power powerbombs himself under the in under the ring apron. Oh my god. It's bizarre. Uh, but yeah, Jerry Lynn is a guy who's been successful in he was in WCW, ECW, Ring of Honor champion. Uh, was he NWA champion at some point? Maybe could be during the like the mid two thousands dark ages.
1: Yeah, dark ages. Anyone could have been NWA. I, I was actually little know <laughs> fact. I was NWA champion in oh, the mid two thousands.
0: Me too. I pinned Rob Conway <laughs> with the NWA championship. But you know, it happened in uh, it happened in Puerto Rico, so it just it yeah. didn't count.
1: You're lucky he didn't stab you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's fresh in my mind. Because I was going
0: of, for a Carlos Colon reference, and you just hit me with a Bruiser Brody.
1: <laughs> I just watched the uh, Vice thing last night uh, about Bruiser
0: Brody, and I was like, wow. it's, uh, it's what,
1: what a crazy, crazy time the 70s were, man.
0: I know. All right, so Rob Van Dam had been television champion. He had a record-setting reign as ECW television champion. It wound up being almost two years. And Rob Van Dam is an incredibly dominant television champion. He was a television champion that was so dominant that this secondary championship was considered to be on par with the world championship. Yeah. And at some point they actually started referring to it as the world television championship. I remember that. And at the peak of his powers he runs afoul of Jerry Lynn who's a meat and potatoes like like fundamentals guy, he can fly, he can wrestle, he can do anything you ask him to do, but he's not a superstar, and he's not necessarily the kind of person you would expect to give Rob Van Dam, who has all this flash and power, you wouldn't expect Jerry Lynn to be the guy to take him to the limit. But Jerry Lynn has his number, and they have a match that goes to a 30-minute time limit draw. And Rob Van Dam hadn't had any of his television title matches go to a 30-minute draw. And the referees want to award the match and the championship to Jerry Lynn. Because Jerry Lynn had wrestled the better match. The time ran out. But I guess in ECW rules, if the television championship went to a time-limit draw, the referees got to decide who won the match and the championship. They wanted to award it to Jerry Lynn. And Jerry Lynn says, no... I want to beat him.
1: Oh, the hot's awesome.
0: He asks for a five-minute extension and gets beat by Van Damme in those five minutes. I guess Van Damme got a few minutes to, to breathe, got yeah. his energy back, was able to... Ate a ham sandwich. Right, ate a ham sandwich, got super high, and <laughs> just was able to string together some moves and put away Jerry Lynn. So the part of Jerry Lynn, like the humble part of Jerry Lynn that didn't want to take the decision win and wanted that definitive win goes out the window. And all of a sudden, Jerry Lynn is all about outdoing Rob Van Dam. And this is when Jerry Lynn becomes the new effing show. Yes. Because Rob Van Dam was the whole effing show. Yeah. Which a lot of people don't remember the genesis of that. Shawn Michaels was the showstopper. And Rob Van Dam in an off-the-cuff moment goes... uh Talk about being a showstopper. You're looking at the fucking show. Yeah. So that's the origin of that. Rob Van Dam is is the fucking show for ECW at this point. Oh, yeah. Runs afoul of this relatively unspectacular guy who seems to have his number. And that brings us to this match from Hardcore Heaven 1999. Rob Van Dam at the height of his powers versus basically the only guy that's been able to take him to the limit. And did kind of beat him. Right. Let's see. All right. Uh, by the way, it's uh, ECW Hardcore Heaven 1999. I'm going to start watching in 3, 2, 1, and go. Now, so here's Joey Ra- uh, not Joey Ryan, Joey Styles, the complete opposite of Joey Ryan yeah. <laughs> in almost every way.
1: Uh, he's great with a mic, man.
0: He 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 is. Uh I I guess I forget
1: what he said that got him fired recently, like a couple years back. But he's
0: like a he's like a weirdly super conservative guy, also. You
1: know, I can totally see that. Yeah. It, it's you know what it is? It's it's the people who you're like well it's like, you know, now you have a lot of older friends who are like, Wow, like you used to be like real punk rock and real crazy, and now you're like you're saying some stuff on Facebook that I not only really not agree with. It makes me like think twice about jokes you used to tell in high school. Yeah. Like that's what like Joey Styles seems like to me.
0: Yeah, he's uh... he. It, it's weird where like if you had to pick Joey Styles, if you had to if you had like Joey Styles and Jim Cornette and Jim Ross in a lineup, yeah. and you're like, but look
1: how good Jerry Lynn looks here, man. He is. He looks like a in super his
0: prime. He looks like a super athletic guy from Nickelback.
1: Oh my god, yeah. But I, I guess this is where Chad Kroger got his gimmick from.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was gonna say, if you had to if you had uh, Joey Styles and Jim Ross and Jim Cornette in the lineup and I asked you to pick out the guy who's concerningly conservative, you probably wouldn't pick Joey Styles. Yeah. No, definitely
1: not. <laughs> Definitely not. And, of course, the classic sign, RVD takes it in the ass because this is the
0: 90s. This is the 90s. And it's and, ECW. And the worst thing you can do... Is be gay. Is be gay. Right. Oh,
1: God. Yeah. This is this is this <laughs> this guy's making sure he gets it on the thing. Yeah, oh, God, I love wrestling signs. I love wrestling signs more back in the day because people would just go for it. But now it's like, wow, well, maybe we shouldn't because there's actual children here.
0: Yeah. And, you know, people would probably like to see the match.
1: Oh, I, I met Joe Gertner. Did I, did I mention that before? You did not. Yeah, I met Joe Gertner at uh, at All In 2. I was online to take a flare in the Ric Flair robe. Uh-huh. Listen, I'm an adult. And let me tell you, when you're an adult, you're just kind of like, you know what? I would pay for that. like, it's $50 to take a picture in Ric Flair's robe. So I did it. It was $30 <laughs> to touch ruin Ryan's dick. I did that too. I worked <laughs> for a living, man. But yeah, so Joe Gertner is online and he, he makes some comment. We kind of have this like weird tet-a-tat back and forth. And I kind of told him a dirty joke and he lost it. <laughs> Now I'd been drinking for about three and a half days, so I couldn't tell you what that dirty joke was. But let me tell you, Joel Gertner laughed.
0: That's that's impressive. That's a, the the man is a, is a master of uh, of of sort of puerile humor.
1: He was wearing the neck brace, too. <laughs> it was that's hot like, there.
0: That's like if you uh, if you meet uh, if you meet Cowboy Bob Orton and he's still got yeah. the cast on. Uh, look at Fonzie. So Rob Van Dam is entering this match looking like. The human incarnation of a Spencer's gift. <laughs> Rob Van Dam is a Spencer's gift that walks like a man. <laughs> that respect walks like a man. That's a Pantera joke <laughs> for you. Oh, God. Um, one thing. Uh, one thing we should be thankful of is that. We've got uh, we've got Bill Alfonso, aka Fonzie, here at ringside. Rob Van Dam's manager, and because we were watching this with the sound off, we're not going to have to hear him. Blowing his whistle constantly.
1: Oh, well, there's thank God for small favors.
0: <laughs> you know, usually, usually watching a match with the sound off lessens the impact a little bit. In this case, I'm kind of hyped for it.
1: Yeah, I mean, Rob Van Dam's here walking around in his very airbrushed outfit, and he's chiseled right now. He is probably in the best shape of his life. He is like Shawn Michaels' playgirl hot right now.
0: Yeah, he's 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 looking good. He's got the this is before his uh, before his jaw sort of. Uh, I don't even know the medical term for what it did, but yeah, it 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 became uh, a little jowly. Jowly, he got jowly, became bulbous. Oh, we got a we got a beach ball in the ring, yeah. Like a a nineteen year old Cesaro is about to roll in and got an RVD (laughs) four hundred and twenty
1: sign in the background as well.
0: Yep, Uh, right, uh, two guys over from RVD takes it in the ass. You're surprised that these two guys haven't uh, started throwing hands yet.
1: Now do you think that ECW planted any of these signs, like you got the Cesaro section signs now and like, you know
0: Well I don't I don't think so. I think I think ECW had enough to worry about without micromanaging the signs. Yeah. I mean, I know uh I know they had they had people doing shit like uh, you know, packing their own t shirts and mailing them out. So I doubt he was able to, you know, Paul had a lot of control over these guys, but I doubt he was able to, like, harangue Devon Dudley into taking some construction paper and markers and making signs for other people.
1: Brother Devon, could you go to CVS and procure <laughs> some coloring materials and some decoupage materials? <laughs> And also a Sprite. (laughs) A diet
0: Sprite.
1: You know, I don't think they had diet Sprite back then. Oh. Fun fact. Well, there
0: you go. Rob Van Dam just did the full version of of his intro. So after he left ECW, he would do, you know, pointing both thumbs at himself, and he would do Rob Van, and then on the Dam he would do a spin kick, which he's doing right here. It's a good way to figure out if Rob Van Dam is fully invested in this match. I'm not sure that Rob Van Dam was ever fully invested in a match post-ECW. I think yeah. at best, you maybe got 85% of Rob.
1: Well, I can tell you that with that spin kick, he just did we actually just got almost more moves than we did
0: at the NAW. Oh, yeah. Uh, also, I, I wanted to point this out. I missed saying it when it was happening, but in my notes, I have... Uh, Bill Alfonso gently pulls the ring announcer to the side so Rob doesn't cream him with that kick. That's thoughtful. That's, That's very thoughtful. You know. Also, they probably couldn't afford a lawsuit at this point, so. <laughs> so here's a here's a, a contrast, right? Rob both of these guys have been introduced. The match has begun. Rob Van Dam is still showboating. He's doing that sort of like victory motion where I don't even know if there's a name for this, where you interlace your fingers and sort of move them to both sides of your head. Have I described this well enough?
1: I think you've described it well enough, and I'm actually Googling it right now because now I want to know. I
0: associate it with Popeye for some reason, if that makes sense. But Rob Van Dam has been doing that for like, I don't know, two minutes. And Jerry Lynn has just been standing there like a cigar store Indian waiting for Rob Van Dam to wrestle him. So Rob has finally finished showboating and we're locking up.
1: So this is the thing. Yeah, Jerry, look at Jerry Lynn. He's got a great so role. So smooth. And this is the kind of technician that I'm talking about that Jerry Lynn is. He is almost elegant in his movements. Yes. I wonder with something like this, because, you know, ECW crowds historically are very different than your typical wrestling crowd because they're all, for lack of better term, they're all animals. They're just crazy, like foaming at the mouth, literally bringing weapons to the event. You know, they never had to buy a gimmick because someone bring a Nintendo to hit someone in the head with, but, you know, they actually quiet down, and just start watching the match, like they, it's almost like they kind of have an off switch, for their, uh, the word I'm looking for, they almost have a, an off switch, for their intensity, like they know when they going to hard cam, and to stand up, or when Rob Van is mugging for the camera, but they're, Kind of in a weird way, very respectful during the actual match itself.
0: Yeah, it's almost it's almost like that 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 Japan thing where it's 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 not respectful to the performers if you're losing your shit the whole time. You you lose your shit at the proper moments. So we just saw them trading some holds, and it was pretty much even. Neither guy kind of came out on top, and. Having failed to immediately get one over on Jerry Lynn, Rob has decided to showboat some more, and Jerry Lynn is patiently waiting for him. They're squaring off again, and again, collar and elbow.
1: So, fun fact: I put the description in about clasping your hands and throwing your shoulder in victory, and it said in reply, "Do you mean what is the motion of collapsing your hands?" And the first one that pops up is noisy and vomiting adults. <laughs> Medline Plus Medical Encyclopedia. So we may need to do Oof. a little more research on
0: this. Oof! So these two guys are, these two guys are just throwing, throwing all their best moves at each other, all their counters at each other. Once again, they tangled. The first time it was all grappling. This time they threw in strikes, and again, neither guy came out on top. So if you're scoring this, it's either. or 0-0.
1: And again, Rob Van Dam is stopping to pose.
0: Right. Because, you know, the camera at the beginning was so focused on Rob because Rob's the star of the show and Jerry Lynn is the afterthought. And Rob seems to be operating as if that is true. He doesn't seem to be giving everything he has to Jerry Lynn, at least as far as focusing. As far as Rob is concerned, this is an exhibition for Rob Van Damme.
1: So it's interesting because I'm, as I'm watching this now, I remember seeing the Sands of Poughkeepsie, and Rob Van Dam pretty much did the exact same thing in his match, except slower. And it's like, wow, does he only have one match in him where it's the Hogan Must Pose thing?
0: <laughs> I don't necessarily think that's the case, but I think Rob. <laughs> it's a great
1: taunt by Van Dam.
0: Yeah, he he forces Jerry Lynn into the corner, and then celebrates as if he's done something. So I don't know if that's Rob trying to claim that on the third sort of tangle that he's come out on top. There's this undercurrent of one-upsmanship here, essentially because of the way that the last match ended on a decision. So both guys, I think, want to gain an early advantage by by gaining control.
1: Is this a 30-minute time limit as well?
0: This one has no time limit.
1: Okay, because otherwise he's like really killing
0: time. Right. Um, interesting to note here, Rob Van Dam, we always think of Rob Van Dam as a babyface, but he's definitely the heel here.
1: He, oh, 100%. 100% he's on fire as the heel here. Literally, like, killing time. I'm going to initially, we're going to walk back to that initial statement I made about them being respectful. I think they're just bored at this point.
0: <laughs> yeah, Rob Van Dam is I doing, am too. He, he's doing his best uh, Larry Zbyskoe. And Jerry Lynn forces Rob to the corner. And now we see, is is Jerry Lynn going to break? Is he going to taunt Rob? Yep. Oh! Nice. <laughs> there you go. He throws up his, his Jimmy Snuka adjacent new effing show taunt and then kicks Rob. So at this point, we've signaled that this sort of gentle game of one-upsmanship is over. And now we're going in full bore. We're not going to be able to call this match. It's going too fast. But... We're having another another counter here. Miss on an elbow. Rob tosses him into the corner. Rob goes in for a monkey flip, which is one of his big moves. And Jerry Lynn
1: kind of flips right out of it. Almost lands on his feet,
0: collapses to his knee, gets
1: right back up. But what has happened to Rob Van Dam? His hair is a little
0: messed up. No, it's his face. We got we got some we got some juice. Oh, there we go. A little squeeze. And he's, he's jaw jacking to the camera and doing his taunts, but... We have very literally seen Jerry Lynn draw first blood. Yes, and I think this isn't a thing that was planned, but I think it serves the narrative narrative of this match perfectly. Rob Van Dam is still acting as if he's got nothing to sweat, but he's literally bleeding.
1: Yeah, and I will say this at this moment, with all the because he's it's gushing. At this moment, it's gushing. He is definitely telling a thing about his bravado. And you start to see the armor ch- ar- armor uh, getting chipped up a little bit.
0: Right, right. Because here he is. He's still, he's still acting like nothing's wrong. We can clearly see that he's bleeding. Yeah. Jerry Lynn's demeanor has not changed. And, you know, we're seeing that Jerry Lynn, yeah, has Rob Van Dam's number. Rob
1: Van Dam laid that high kick in a little tight and snug.
0: Yep, so the uh, the the classic Rob Van Dam surprise potato. Rob gets dumped to the outside, blocks a punch. Jerry Lynn blocks a a, a strike to the turnbuckle off the ropes. Boom! Hits Boom. a beautiful drop kick and Rob tumbles to the floor.
1: And look at how little padding is on the floor for the CCW match. Yeah, it's not what you see now at a WWE event where the it's like two rails, inches, yeah. two inches of padding. Yeah, more padding on the floor than there is in the ring.
0: Jerry Lynn up top with the uh, with the the Jimmy Snuka. I guess it was almost like a standing superfly splash <laughs> and Rob lands with his head under the uh, under the guardrail which is not a good look.
1: Uh, that was the move that definitely took out Joe Janelle's knee last year so got to be careful with those especially with no padding on the floor.
0: Yeah. It's it's almost uh it's almost safer to uh, to do a move on it, well, especially especially if you're against an opponent who's oof, oof. <laughs> that was a nasty dropkick between the ropes. Between the ropes, and Rob, that was not ooh, ooh, so
1: famouser uh, through the ropes.
0: Uh, famouser through the ropes. Uh, Jerry Lynn hit him with that uh, uh, springboard leg drop through the ropes, which is an interesting inversion and maybe a commentary on Rob Van Dam's uh, springboard guillotine leg drop from the outside. Rob Van Dam has that move where he drapes you over the guardrail and then does the spinning leg drop. Yep. So you have to wonder if this is maybe Jerry Lynn's answer to that.
1: <clears throat> well, Jerry Lynn is definitely chipped away at the armor now. Yeah, Rob, Rob Van Dam looking like he's in trouble. They are on the second rope. Oh, Flying
0: Bulldog. A, a very upsetting Flying Bulldog. One thing that Rob Van Dam used to be able to bring to the table is that He was one of the first guys to really incorporate uh, deep stretching into his his training and preparation regimen. So Rob Van Dam used to have a super high uh, threshold. And then
1: we have interference from Fonzie.
0: Yep, which is completely legal because this is ECW.
1: Exactly. Jerry Lynn walking the ropes, old school style. And the Fonzarelli went and dropped him in the nuts.
0: Ooh! Ooh. Uh, We went for a... uh, A Van Daminator, and uh, Jerry Lynn managed to get out of it, and Fonzie, oh, he's been been crossed a second time. And now Rob off the ropes and a springboard kick, and Jerry Lynn hit the ground face first.
1: You know, athleticism-wise, that near-coast-to-coast Van Daminator was a thing of beauty. Yes. Poor Jerry Lynn's nuts. Yep. R.I.P.
0: Uh, I also want to mention it, we, we blew right past it. And we're going to blow right past a lot of incredible visuals in this match just because of how fast it, it is paced. But when Rob did the reverse springboard to counter Jerry Lynn, where he was standing on the ropes and leapt backwards with a split in the air, that was incredible. I've never seen that before. No. I think Jerry Lynn might be legit knocked out here because... Uh, Rob is doing that thing where somebody's on the ground and Rob's laying in some some kicks, that. <laughs> All right, some we, gentle kicks.
1: Yeah, lo- they're, they're, they're loving kicks. Can we talk about the orange lunchroom chair that they have? <laughs> that ECW was like one of the only places I saw people getting hit with those things. They're hard plastic, they don't bend, and they make a clunking sound when they hit concrete.
0: I, know, I, I will never forget one of the few times I saw this was <laughs> uh, La Parca. Absolutely murdering Super Colo with one on episode of Nitro, so I think Jerry Lynn is legit knocked out here. Rob is like deadlifting him <laughs> to throw him into the ring, yeah. and now yeah. and now all of a sudden he seems to be uh, he seems to be taking him out of the ring. So I think Jerry Lynn might have legit knocked himself loopy on the floor. And now he's uh, now he's all right because Rob has tossed him over the uh, over the guardrail into the chairs <laughs> into the cafeteria chairs.
1: Yeah, it's a, a little thing I like to call: is he sandbagging or is he selling?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I think he was. I think he might have been sandbagging because he was out, and Rob pretty clearly legit deadlifted this dude up onto the apron. Yeah. And then immediately took him off the apron, which is a weird choice if the guy is conscious. Well this is a great
1: opportunity for Van Dam to pose, but he's not, he's gonna jump the rail. Light <laughs> clothesline. Oh those orange chairs are so unforgiving.
0: I know, and somebody just leans into frame with a sign that says Got Beaver? <laughs>
1: sure man maybe, <laughs> maybe he was hoping for Francine to do an entrance or something
0: <laughs> oh my god is that a, I thought that might have actually been been Paul Heyman but no that looks like maybe a younger Paul Heyman no, is, that's, that's, is that Tatanka
1: no uh, that's the dudes from Atlas Security
0: it looks like Tatanka wouldn't that be wild that would be wild if Tatanka was just doing security at the CCW show
1: I mean, was he still with WWE at the time?
0: No, this is '99. Yeah, shit, you're right. Tatanka's off doing God knows what. Hey, can we book? Can we book Tatanka versus uh, versus either one of these guys for a show now? Because I would actually—that's <laughs> another one of those weird Tyler Breeze versus Jushin Thunder Liger matches that I would watch just because it's happening.
1: What's the money that Tatanka can still go?
0: I bet Tatanka can still go. That dude's always been in good shape. Yeah. And he's not. Uh, I don't recall him ever really destroying his body with anything.
1: Oh wow! Look at that corkscrew by Jerry Lynn. A
0: a corkscrew sunset flip. Which again, I don't think I've ever seen that.
1: I think this means Jerry Lynn is fully awake.
0: He's Going fully awake. The pile driver. The uh, uh, cradle pile driver
1: into the, out. Rob Van Dam reverse suit into an Alabama slammer.
0: Yep. Rob off the ropes with a oh. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Perfect. So Rob went off the ropes for the Rolling Thunder. Jerry Lynn moved. Rob adjusted, hit him with a kick, went back to the ropes for another Rolling Thunder, and this time Jerry Lynn rolled out of the way. These guys have each other scouted so well. And I think Jerry Lynn is a little fucked up. You can't really tell because of his hair, but it looks like he's got a little bit of a crimson mask going.
1: You know, I do love it when a, a blonde gets color.
0: That's the Ric Flair, right?
1: Oh, the Ric Flair! It's just such a classic, iconic look.
0: There's that 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 legendary photo of Bobby Heenan. Have you ever seen that? Oh yeah, The young Bobby Heenan, where he, <laughs> where he just looks dead. So we just saw Jerry Lynn attempt to hit Rob Van Dam with a monkey flip, which is again one of Rob Van Dam's moves. Rob countered. Jerry Lynn went for a DDT, and nobody sells a DDT quite like Rob Van Dam. But he did manage to escape. One of the best sell jobs I've ever seen was Rob Van Dam taking a pile driver from Tommy Dreamer in the, the ECW versus WWE flag match. Right. Do you remember that? He like bounces yeah. off the top of his head. So, oh, another sunset flip. God. One, two, and oh, Rob escapes. Jerry Lynn is so fluid. Yeah. Everything he does looks so realistic.
1: And he like takes that sunset flip into a crucifix pen, and he's definitely waking up now.
0: He's definitely waking. There's a little bit of a little bit of uh, a little bit of Chris Benoit energy.
1: Yeah, to, I agree with that.
0: To Jerry Lynn. A lot of a little bit of pock, too, which is a connection I never made before. Mm.
1: All right, now come the tables. Jerry Lynn's pulling out a table from underneath mm. the ring.
0: Boo, I hate tables.
1: I hate tables because they take so long to set up.
0: I tables strain credulity for me. I'm already, I'm already suspending a lot of disbelief, and I yeah. don't need to consider why there are tables under every wrestling ring in America.
1: Like I know why there's gatorade under there.
0: <laughs> the
1: tables—that's a bridge too far.
0: But it's just a situation where uh, Jerry Lynn, for the second time, is in the the orange cafeteria chairs in the front row.
1: Yeah, someone's mom in that crowd's is getting really excited.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, yo, somebody's got a New Paltz sign. That's where I went to college. Hmm. That's where I got my uh, my useless history Fonzie degree.
1: Fonzie tosses Rob Van Dam the chair. <laughs>
0: he tosses it back.
1: Sets it up. And <laughs> in the crowd. Oh, Uh-oh. my God.
0: I love the fact that Rob Van Dam, because this is ECW, can legally use Bill Alfonso like it's a Marvel versus Capcom summon. wow you can just you can just bring him in
1: yeah he's he's from RVD Cyclops right exactly he's coming to blast off my shield
0: (laughs) alright so uh, so Jerry's out of the out of the crowd New Paltz Forever good taco place there Mm. if you ever find yourself in uh, ever find yourself in New Paltz there's two things you gotta do one is the Valley View Farmer's Market fantastic number two is Mexicali Blue it's a taco place right on Main Street. Oh, cool! You got catfish tacos, fucking incredible.
1: I'll never get catfish again. I had it once, and they did a shitty job of deboning it. Uh, okay. And I learned the hard way that those bones and catfish. Yeah. So let's see how the rules <laughs> hold up here. You've got RVD and Jerry Lynn on the ring apron, the hardest spot of the ring. That's right. And there's a table set up by Jerry Lynn. Let's see who goes through it. My money is not RVD because Jerry Lynn set it up.
0: Jerry, sure. yeah, it's it's. Very much a a hoisted by one's own petard situation. Yeah.
1: Oh, my God. Oh, and Jerry Lynn hit his head on the hardest part of the ring on the way out.
0: And landed on no padding. (sighs) They just showed a little bit of a... They didn't linger on it, but he definitely landed on the one area of the floor that had no padding on it. So, (laughs) Jerry Lynn is suffering for his art.
1: Yeah, right now he's like laid out on the floor like Jesus on the cross.
0: Yeah, and, and Rob is, uh, is he's doing fine, I guess. Well, Rob hasn't been knocked out twice in this match. <laughs> I know. <laughs> of course he's doing fine. Yeah. Jerry Lynn's having a, a positively Mick Foley-ish night here. How, how do you say that? He still has both his ears. <laughs> Did you read uh, Mick Foley's book? Yeah. Uh, where uh, he first learned about concussions, and he's talking to the doctor and the doctor asks, him, well, how many concussions have you had? And he's like, I don't know. How could I tell if I've had a concussion? And the doctor's like, well, you would have seen stars. And he's like, oh, hundreds? Yeah. <laughs> oh. All right. So Jerry Lynn is, is hung up on the uh, on the guardrail now. And Rob, now on the apron, is going for his version of the springboard draping leg drop. And it looks like death.
1: Yeah. And Jerry Lynn's poor lower intestines.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Rob Van Dam is not really, doesn't seem to be focusing his attack on any. Jesus Christ, look at Jerry Lynn's face. He is fucked up. He definitely cracked his face on the concrete yeah. 10 minutes ago. Is there a massive blood splatter on the ground?
1: It looks like it.
0: Yikes! That's got to be from Jerry Lynn's hair when he crashed to the floor a second ago. God damn. And this is as good as this ever looked, by the way. This is like the remastered WWE Network version that we're watching. If you were watching this at home on pay per view in the '90s, or you got it on a thrice copied VHS tape, yeah, you would not have noticed all of this. You might not even be able to tell that Jerry Lynn is bleeding.
1: No, probably not. I mean, back in the '90s, you, you're probably watching it on like the black box that your uncle got you from downtown that gets all the channels. Yep. You know the de-scrambler, if you will, that you used to get like before you know cable was digitized and.
0: Fucking Rob Van Dam, unnecessary backflip. Yeah, kicking a chair into Jerry Lynn's face just
1: to just to show you he can. Yep. Yeah, but for those listening at home, we used to get scrambler boxes, and you could actually run it through the box, and it would decode all the channels. So you can get Skinamax, HBO, any kind of like wrestling pay per view. It was all there. Used to be like five hundred bucks at the time, but when you think about what you're saving on pay per views, cable, it's worth it.
0: Okay, we're going back up to the top rope. And given the number of times that Jerry Lynn has almost died from falling off the top rope, I don't necessarily want to see him crash through it. That was a, a, a beautiful counter.
1: Beautiful counter. Jerry Lynn is still trying to get him through that table. He just can't get the job done.
0: Yeah, that and that's kind of the story at this point is that Jerry Lynn is, Rob Van Dam is, oh, a beautiful Leg drop.
1: Bring one leg drop to the back of Jerry Lynn's neck.
0: Almost from an off leg, it seemed like. Yeah. But the story of this match is that Rob Van Dam is so good at taking advantage of his surroundings. Almost the biggest, the biggest moves that he's done to Jerry Lynn have been because he knows where he is. Because he knows that he can counter Jerry Lynn in a certain way. The two excuse me, biggest hits that Jerry Lynn has taken have been those tumbles to the outside, and those have been relatively incidental counters from Rob Van Dam. So Rob Van Dam's greatest weapon isn't necessarily his his own offense, but his ability to counter Jerry Lynn's offense and his ability to take advantage of the... Oh! <laughs> take advantage of the environment to do damage to Jerry Lynn, and Jerry Lynn finally gets what he's been looking for, which is... A big bomb utilizing the utilizing a weapon or utilizing the environment. He just destroyed Rob Van Dam with a, a Sunset Flip power bomb, And that table looks like it exploded. Exploded.
1: Rob Van Dam on the outside of the ring. Jerry Lynn on the inside. Perfect, clean execution of the Sunset Flip. Put RVD through the table. Yeah, Jerry Lynn's getting some gas back. And got his foot on the pedal. You know, I've heard the sunset flip referred to as a, a few different names. I kind of like what they call it for Adam Cole—the Panama sunset.
0: Yeah. We're getting a replay here. And beautiful.
1: Even better in slow mo.
0: Yep. It—it it, it wasn't like a, it. It almost looked like a sunset flip sit-out power bomb, like a Batista bomb almost, yeah. or a Liger bomb, if you will. Yeah, it
1: looks like it hurt. That's, yeah. That's what it looks like. Yeah. Like hurt for real. That
0: probably that probably hurt Rob a lot less because the table broke his fall, and yeah. Jerry Lynn took that entire thing on his tailbone. But here we go into the corner, into a kick. So, oh, Ooh. 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 <laughs> oh, 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 Incredible sequence. So that was three. So we it's had two, a, but it was three. We had, uh, we had Fonzie come into the ring. He threw Rob the chair for the Van Daminator. Rob uh, missed it. Jerry Lynn got the chair, swung it at Rob. He missed, and then he turned around and just fucking threw the chair at uh, Bill Alfonso, which always looks better because there's no way to pull that. No. Oh! A single leg dropkick from Rob Van Dam leaves Jerry Lynn out on the top rope. And it looks like Rob's gonna go for uh, yikes! He's got the chair in his hand again. I just met, I just watched this match a couple of days ago to take notes on it, and I do not remember what happens next. Oh, it looks like Rob's going for maybe a Hurricane Rana. No, a suplex. It looks like maybe he's trying to belly to belly suplex. No. Jerry Lynn, oh, oh and Rob, damn, damn, slides onto the rope with his dick. Yep, and Jerry Lynn crashes to the mat.
1: You know, I will say this about Fonzie. He always has a chair ready in the way that Jerome always has a mirror ready for Morris Day. <laughs> it's true. Always waiting. Always ready.
0: He just got it in his back pocket. Mm-hmm. There's two chairs in the ring right now. There's two chairs and no Fonzies. Yeah. He like, I guess he spawned one when he fell out of the ring. All right, so Jerry Lynn tosses the chair to Rob Van Dam and... Uh, Hits
1: him with his own Van Daminator.
0: Yeah, with a with a one of those beautiful Jerry Lynn drop kicks, but he can't put Rob Van Dam away.
1: All right, the re, the ref can't decide between a fast and a slow count at this point. <laughs> and I'm just left thinking, all these chairs, man. Some local church AA is probably standing right now because you know someone's kid. I took all the took all the chairs <laughs> from ECW. <laughs> I
0: know a, a whole a whole school cafeteria worth of children is standing because yeah. of this arena. Oh. Okay, so we went for another. A lot of sunset flips.
1: <laughs> yeah. Both these guys are really beat up. Yeah. Like legitimately beat up.
0: Yeah, and so... Jerry oh, Lynn's
1: Lin, got him set up for the powerbomb.
0: No, the the pile driver, oh. and again for a sunset flip, a cradle, one, two, and Rob Van Dam kicks out. It, if this match hadn't been structured the way it were, you would say these guys are looking a little sloppy. Right. You might criticize that, but I think that adds to this match. When guys are executing their moves perfectly beginning to end, it... It's ballet. Yeah, it it beggars belief a little bit. And the fact that these guys are... You know, their moves aren't... (coughs) are getting less fluid as the match goes on really speaks to their skill as performers. Uh, Rob goes split like a moonsault and can't go for the pin right away. One, two, and Jerry Lynn escapes. Might have had him if he'd gotten to the pin right away, but... You know, all the bravado that Rob Van Dam had at the beginning is out the window. He's, uh, he's very clearly winded. He's running on fumes at this point, which is a bad thing for a guy whose biggest moves come from his leaping ability and his speed. And then, uh... <laughs> Jesus Christ. Nice. All of these moves are so fluid. Jerry Lynn's out in the middle of the ring. Rob Van Dam up top.
1: Five star frog splash.
0: Hits him with that five-star frog splash. Bounces. And can he make the pin? Can he make the pin? He crawls for it. He crawls for it. And RVD gets rolled up. One, two, and Jerry Lynn escapes. Uh, who kicks out of the five star frog splash? Who counters the five-star frog splash?
1: It took about five seconds to get to that pin,
0: so. Yep. Here we go. Van Daminator. Van Daminator. Struggling to get to the pin. Struggling to get to the pin, but Jerry Lynn has taken so much damage at this point. Rob Van Dam going back up. Not taking chances. Trying for that five star again. Into the sky. Oh. He got all of it. One, two, three, and that's it. And That's it.
1: And he mounted him like he was giving the old lead blanket. Yep. Just, to, his, to his credit, man, his five star flog straight from the corner to the center of the ring, always perfect. Always perfect.
0: Always perfect. And here we have uh, uh, Fonzie back in the ring. Got that. Uh, got that TV championship, and all that bravado that Rob Van Dam had gone out the window. He's been in a fight. He knows he's been in a fight, and he knows that he's been taken to the limit.
1: He's humbled.
0: As humbled as Rob Van Dam can be.
1: Yeah, I know that was a little stretch, but
0: <laughs> but yeah, it's a it's a, it's a it's definitely a cool story. Now we have uh, we have the referee letting Jerry Lynn know that he's uh, that he's lost, but uh, Fonzie in with a bottle of water for Rob Van Dam, and uh, Jerry Lynn is. Uh, is still here. Has gotten to his feet. <laughs> Fonzie pouring the water on Rob's head. Jerry Lynn leaving.
1: Rob slaps him in the back with the belt instead of getting out of the ring.
0: <laughs> Come back, Jerry. Yeah, he's calling. He's calling Jerry back into the ring. What do we have here? Do we have a softening in the in the demeanor of Rob Van Dam? High fives. High five.
1: That's about as good as you're gonna get.
0: That's about as good as you can get from Rob Van Dam, who's uh, not not partial to a handshake, not partial to a, you know. For my money, the uh, the best version of this is I don't know if you've seen uh, Nakamura versus Ibushi from Wrestle Kingdom ten. I have not. Oh my god, it's a fucking incredible match. But at the end of that one, Ibushi has. Uh, I'm gonna stop. Uh, I'm gonna stop playing this here because I think I don't think anything else cool is gonna happen. But <laughs> and now, by the way, having had this moment with uh, having had this moment with Jerry Lynn, all the bravado is back in Rob Van Dam. Yeah. He's all of a sudden back to... He said that Jack was nice drugs. to him for a minute. Yeah, he's like, he's like, yeah, it was really cool. Like, uh, so, Ibushi is like fucking out. Nakamura has been just kneeing his head to fucking hell for yeah. like 40 minutes. Yeah, And at the end of the match, Ibushi is beaten. He's Unconscious, and Nakamura is on his knees waiting for Ibushi to get up. When Ibushi finally looks up, Nakamura like touches foreheads with him, mm-hmm. and then pie faces him.
1: <laughs> uh, Try on brand for Nakamura <laughs>
0: because it's like it's yeah. like hey, I really I really respect what you did, but fuck you for coming for me. Yeah, straight up.
1: God damn, I love professional wrestling. I love
0: wrestling. Uh, maybe I picked the wrong name for my show. <laughs> so, at fixed in post. Yeah, well we'll take it out. Uh I'll we'll be a lot more negative. Um I'll just go back and I'll edit in a second track of me just making fart sounds. So, what did what did you think of this match? I thought it was a fantastic match.
1: I mean, all clowning aside because you know we we were watching this mystery science theater style, you know, we got to get our jabs in, but I I have the utmost respect for professional wrestlers and people who put their bodies on the line like that. And people who, especially in the ECW days, who like didn't know how to take a headshot and a chair shot properly, are really putting their bodies on the line. So I think it's a fantastic match. I think it told a great story. And it's definitely got me. I'm gonna like Google like what are the best ECW matches to watch? Because, you know, there's a lot of crap, but I'm gonna watch the good ones and put it in the the old Google machine, if you will, yeah. and then uh, I'm, I'm going to check some more stuff out because that was a fantastic match.
0: Spoiler alert: This one usually tops the list. Okay. For best ECW, so you're matches. saying it's all
1: downhill from here. <laughs> it kind of is. Shit.
0: All right. Well, but there are there are plenty of other good ones. There's uh, Sakosis versus Rey Mysterio. is incredible. The one right. where uh, the one where Secosis takes uh, Hurricane Rama on the hood of a car. <laughs> God, I love the '90s. There's a <laughs> is, is Mike Lee in Black here. Um, that's a VH1 joke for everybody out there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it is inspiring because it, it, it makes you think, you know, we do say that a lot of ECW didn't hold up, but this is in there. Yeah. So what else is in there?
1: Well, you got to look at it like a band that you love, where, man, they have that one perfect album, and everything else is this several tracks spread out over like seven albums. And you're like, oh, well, yes. I love this band. Well. I love this album and I love these six songs. Yes. But I will still pay money to go see that band whenever they come to town, and that's ECW.
0: Yes, absolutely right. I don't know that I would pay money to see Rob Van Dam after the last time I paid money to oh, see Rob no.
1: Van Oh, <laughs> no. Yeah, that's going to be a no from me, dog. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to politely decline.
0: So I, 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 get, I get why Rob Van Dam. Uh, well, I guess we should talk about what happened uh, to these guys after this. Right. This is about halfway through Rob Van Dam's two year a television championship reign. Like a week shy of two years or something like that, he rolls his ankle yeah. and has to vacate the championship. And he never wins it again. Yeah. Which is a bummer. Jerry Lynn wins it after that, I think.
1: I think, yeah, I think he did. I mean, hey, look, it was a high curve. Yep. And
0: Jerry Lynn. will take sometimes. Jerry Lynn goes on to win the ECW championship in ECW, which Rob Van Dam never did.
1: Right, which begs the question, you know, the value of a title. Like, some people, they say they don't need a title on them. Rob Van Dam made the television title so legitimate, like, it's never going to... And it never had the chance to kind of get to that height again, because I think at that point, uh, ECW was on the way out, or Papa Vince was... Yeah. Just kind of shut Growling at
0: the door, yeah. Mm -hmm. Now we're fantasy booking, but... What I would have done, and I think this is probably what their plan was: Rob Van Dam comes back, ultimately wins back the television championship, and you know tries to make that two years. Yeah, tries to to make it another two years, and in the meantime, you could put the world title on him, do world champ or dual champ Rob Van Dam. I could see them doing a couple months where Rob Van Dam oh, works twice.
1: Yeah, it, this is all well and good, but when Daddy Vince comes. Mm-hmm. Daddy eats first.
0: Yep. And you know, Rob Van Dam is still working. He just signed with Impact for some reason.
1: Hey man, I I hope it works good for him. I I hope he gets that fire back and I hope that being on TV maybe puts the magic back in the tank.
0: You know, Rob Van Dam, I I thought he was winding down. I guess he's not. You know, maybe there's another chapter waiting to be written. You know, we talked about Fit Finley a couple times. That dude had a crazy career revival at like age 50. Oh yeah. Who would have booked that shit?
1: Hey... Fit
0: Finley winning, like, a secondary title in WWE in, like, 2007? What the fuck is that about?
1: You know, John Lennon once wrote, life starts at 40. Anything's on the table now. DDP
0: was a three-time... Became a three-time champion. He said started wrestling. Until he was 36, so... I fucking love DDP. Me too. I got... I'll, there's so many... There's so many guys who are having weird-ass career revivals right now. Glacier. PCO. Was, yeah. Well... F- you know, he thanked the lucky stars for Joey Janela. He put them back on the map. Yeah,
1: No, I, it's cool, man. I, and I, I wish everyone the best of luck because I want everyone to make money. I want everyone to, you know, in the end of the day. And it, to me, like, this is like my final thought. Why I, I fully understand why these guys still do what they do. Keith Richards, back in the day, had a great quote. And I'm paraphrasing here, but he's like, you know, you can quit the smoke. He's like, you can take the needle out of your arm. You can put the bottle down. You can stop doing blow you will never get over being on that stage. He's like, that is the only addiction that no person can ever be is the rush of having a crowd screaming your name. So I get it.
0: Yeah. All right. So this has been another episode of of I Hate Wrestling. I want to thank my guest, Hambone. That's me. I want to thank my good friend Krin Dodenhoff for designing my logo. I want to thank the Novas for the use of my theme song The Crusher. I want to remind you, gentle listener, to like, rate, review, subscribe, comment on iTunes, on SoundCloud. I want you to visit me at I Hate Wrestling on Facebook at IHWPod.com. I want you to visit me on... I don't want you to visit me. I want you to fucking follow me on Twitter. Follow Follow! At IHWPod... And follow me on Instagram at IHateWrestling. Hamon, do you have anything you want to plug?
1: Hey, you can check out my podcast, My Thai Happy Hour, wherever podcasts are found. It is a show that is pop culture for weirdos. You can also check out my podcast, The Vintage RPG Podcast, where podcasts are found as well. We talk about old games, we talk about new games, and we have a lot of fun doing it. Fantastic. Hey, man, thanks so much for having me.
0: Of course. Uh, Do you know how the show ends?
1: How does the show end?
0: I ask you if you were going to be a pro wrestling character, what would your character be?
1: It's a great question. So I would be I definitely. I would be a tech. I'd be an in-ring technician. I would definitely be like a, a brawler style wrestler. I would not. I could not ever see myself uh, going ass over tea kettle, as it were, <laughs> jumping off the top rope into. You know, I, I'll let you put me through a table. I'll. I'll let you do. Uh, I'll take a superplex, no problem. But the idea of like. <laughs> took me Suicide, a crazy stuff like that now. I love what Dreamer does now where he runs like he's gonna then he kind of gently gets out of the ring cuz I'm old. <laughs> uh, but that's that's the kind of wrestler I would be. I would do that and uh yeah, I'd be blast. All right. Um
0: good night America. Never job. <laughs> Kevin Ash a different time. Yeah. If you let me just say once again for for posterity, if you ever hear somebody say anything bad about Kevin Nash, they're fucking lying. Kevin Nash is the coolest guy. I, in heard, the world. I,
1: heard, I heard nothing but like wonderful things about Kevin Nash